How many Elf fans do we have in the house? Let me know it. Let me hear it. All right. We got a handful. All right. So we're going to start this <clears throat> new series called Christmas at the Movies that I'm excited for. Um, but you may be here going, why in the world? What are, we, what are we doing in church this month? This is weird. All right. So let me give you three reasons why I want to do this series. One, because it's fun. All right. It's been a long, hard year. Amen. And so we just want to end on a fun note. And Christmas is has always been a season of hope. So let's end on a fun, hopeful note. A second reason is really because of Scripture. Um, believe it or not, you may come in here for the first time and go, what is this church all about? I'm committed to Scripture. We are committed to Scripture as a church. And, and like we saw in that video, I believe that all of Scripture and all of human history points to Jesus and and. And this longing fulfilled, this longing that we have that is fulfilled in Christ. And so we're doing this because it's fun, because it's because of scripture and really because of culture. Like I love movies and movies are modern day stories. It's the these are the stories of our culture. And I've said this before, but I think every good story points to the ultimate story, the better story of Jesus and how he is the one who fulfills all of our longings. And so when we consider the series Christmas at the Movies, I'm going to try to tie all these things together. And the theme that kind of connects these three movies, so Elf this week, A Christmas Story next week, and then we'll do It's a Wonderful Life in the third week. The theme that kind of connects all of these is, is this. We have a longing for the perfect to come. We have a longing for the perfect to come. And so you see this longing represented in each of, of these movies. But when we look at the Christmas season, we see that Jesus came to, to earth to bring the kingdom of God near, and he's gonna come again a second time to bring the kingdom of God in full. And so everything is pointing towards this longing that we have for the perfect to come. So let me tell you about how this morning is, we're gonna lay out this morning. First, we're gonna talk about the movie, which is Elf today. Uh, then we're gonna talk about the truth. So we're gonna see how this points us to Jesus and the scriptures. And we're gonna talk about the application, like how in the world does all this actually connect to us in our life today? But before we go there, I wanna start out by doing something a little different. We're gonna play a little trivia game, all right? So this is called the Impossible Movie Quiz. Now, I don't, we don't typically do this on a Sunday morning. We're going back to my youth ministry days right here, but I got 10 questions. So if you are a fan of Elf, I wanna ask you to, to answer each of these questions. I'm gonna give you about five seconds per question. It's multiple choice, okay? Um, and, and keep track of how many you get right because the winner gets an amazing prize at the end of this, all right? And if there's a tie, we have a tiebreaker, all right? So here we go. Question number one is this. Has anybody watched the movie in the last week or so by any chance? Okay, someone has. We have. Our family did this week. All right, here's question one. What was the name of Buddy's mother? Was it Wendy, Clara, Lauren, or Susan? So lock in your answer. Five, four, three, two, one. Anybody know? Susan. It was Susan. Good job. Okay. Question number two. At what time was Santa arriving to Gimbel's? Was he going to show up at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., or noon? Lock in your answer in your brain. Five, four, three, two, one. What time? 10 a.m. My daughter got it right. All right. 10 a.m. Okay. Question number three. What floor was Walter Hobbs' office on? Was it on the 37th floor, the 21st floor, the 56th floor, or does not say? 
What's your answer? Five, four, three, two, one. Anybody know? It doesn't say. I did think about it this morning, though. There is a scene, if you, if you remember the scene, where Buddy gets in the elevator for the first time, and he like lights up all the buttons, every floor. And when he gets off, you see some of them lit and some of them aren't. So if you want to go back, you may be able to pause and count and figure out what floor he actually is on. I have not done that much research, but you could do that. Okay, so does not say is the answer. So that was question number three. Number four, how many cotton balls does Buddy eat at the doctor's office? Three, two, one, or six? Lock in your answer. Five, four, three, two, one. Answer is three. Did anybody get that? Anybody get it? Okay, three. You know it. All right, next question, number five. Mr. Finch, the angry little elf, he wants the interior of his car to be what temperature? 68 degrees, 91, 71, or 72 degrees? Lock in your answer. Five, four, three, two, one. The answer is? Man, y'all are not with it today, all right? Got to go home and watch Elf. 71, 71 degrees is what he wanted it to be. Number six. What flavor of perfume does Buddy taste? All right, was it Desire Sapphire? Was it Passion Fruit, Peach Delight, or Mango Bomb? What's the answer? Lock it in, five, four, three, two, one. Passion Fruit, Passion Fruit, all right. You guys are getting there, all right. Number seven, what term of endearment does the nun call Buddy? Okay, this is tough, unless, you haven't, if, unless you've watched it recently. Does she call him Sweetie, Angel, Love, or Peanut? What do you think? Five, four, three, two, one. Angel is the answer. She calls him Angel, all right? All right, number eight. This is a really hard one, unless I didn't notice it until I watched the trailer. If you paid attention, what was um, question number eight? Okay, so the yellow cab that hits Buddy has what ID on it? <laughs> this is, if you know this, you are a serious fan. I actually guessed this, totally guessed it right. Anybody have a guess? Five, four, three, two, one. It is B, 4X27. Did anybody pick that up from the trailer? Okay, all right. Photographic memories going on in here, all right. Number nine, what, there's another hard one. What police precinct does Buddy get placed in jail? All right, was it 31st, 52nd, 17th, or the 22nd, or 27th? Five, four, three, two, one. Answer is? 27th. All right. Anybody get that one? Even guess that right now? Okay. Last one. Number 10. What book can be found in Walter Hobbs' office? Was it The Sea King? Was it The Dead Puppy? Which I'm sure is a good one. Uh, George's Adventure? Or was it The Tomato and the Stew? What's your answer? Five, four, three, two, one. The answer is A, The Sea King. All right. Okay. So tally up your responses, your correct answers. Anybody get 10? I'm assuming not. Nobody got 10, right? Okay. Anybody get nine? Anybody? Anybody? Nobody? I see that hand, but that was not a raised hand. <laughs> eight. Anybody have an eight? Did you get eight? Did you really? Anybody else get eight? Anybody else? Are you the winner? All right. You are the winner. Eight. And here is your prize. This is your gift. You can come on up here and get this. I'm going to give this to you. This is a Buddy's Feet Molded Ceramic Mug. So you can drink. Did, did you get it? Come on up. Give, give her hand, y'all. You get that. 
There you go. Thank you. So you can drink your hot chocolate out of Buddy's bottom half. All right. Okay. Let's move on from there. Let's talk about the movie. All right. Elf. Let's talk about this. How y'all are like, how are you going to connect this to Jesus? I don't know. We're going to try. All right. So when you see, you saw this in the trailer, but this movie, the story starts with this orphan, this orphan baby who's in an orphanage. He sneaks into Santa's bag. He ends up at the North Pole and he's raised by elves, right? And they name him Buddy because on his diaper, it says little Buddy Diapers. So I think his last name was Diapers, Buddy Diapers. Okay. Anyway. So they name him Buddy. They raise him. He has an adopted or adoptive father played by Bob Newhart was the guy who played him, but the, the role he was called Papa Elf. He was his adopted dad. Um, but what happens is along the way, Buddy figures out he's not an elf. And so he wants to find his, what he calls his real dad or his biological father, right? So he, it, it, it sends him on this, this quest. And, and, and so Santa allows Buddy to go to New York City to find his dad. And so one of my favorite scenes in the movie, it's such a small, silly, nondescript scene. I actually have a t-shirt that represents the scene. I want to show you this as he makes his journey towards New York City. So check out this clip. Okay, a few of you like that scene, right? Okay, my, my son is like, it's like a blue corn dog with a horn. It's like, okay, I'm, and I'm wearing the shirt. Bye, buddy, hope you find your dad. But one of the reasons I wore this is because this is really like the theme of the movie because the theme of Elf, when you think about it, it's about Buddy's longing for his real father. He's got this longing for his dad. And so it leads him on this journey, this quest that takes him across, you know, the seven layers of the candy cane forest and across the swirly, how's it go? Swirly, twirly gumdrops and through the Lincoln Tunnel. I can never remember that. It's so hard to remember. But he goes on this journey to New York City to the Empire State Building to find his real dad. And this is what this movie is really all about. So he goes to the Empire State Building he you know, goes in the elevator, he finds his dad at work. And I wanna show you this other scene that's kind of helps fill in some of the parts of the story, you know, as he first meets his dad. Okay, so check this out.
So he meets his dad, and you know, as the story goes on, you know, you see at the start, he's kind of like, who is this nut job, you know, and all of this. But we see this transformation take place in his dad's heart where his heart, you know, he starts out with disbelief and he's skeptical, but then he kind of softens and then he gets his heart, heart hardens again towards him. But then in the end, his heart turns towards his, his son. And really, this isn't the sermon today, but this is kind of a biblical picture of repentance. You know, this disbelief, this disbelieving heart that turns toward its repentance is really just a change of, of mind that leads to a change of direction. And we see that in the life of his dad, you know, but it takes a while. It takes a while for him to kind of accept that this might actually be my son. And so I want to show you one last final clip. And actually, this is kind of a bonus for you all for being here in person. This is actually a deleted scene. Okay, I didn't know it existed until I'm doing my sermon prep this week. All right. Um, I came across this. It's actually an extension of a scene that you may have I have seen before, it's, it's uh, a tickle fight, all right? So check out this scene. Longing for his, his father, and he wants to know that he's loved by his, by his dad. And, you know, ultimately, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen this, but to be fair, you've had 17 years to see this, all right? So what happens in this story is ultimately his biological dad reevaluates his life and his priorities, and he has this change of heart, and he becomes kind of a real father to Buddy. And then meanwhile, you have have his adoptive dad, Papa Elf, who really has been a real dad all along, right? And his heart has always been for, for his son. Um, but it's this you know, happy ending, obviously, and it's a fun movie. Um, and I'm gonna move on and try to connect this to Jesus now. But before we do that, I do wanna give two more quick bonus 
pieces of trivia, okay? And this is just, again, me kind of nerding out, doing my research this week, some things that I thought were just fun to, I just want to stick this in here, okay? Um, when you look at this movie, the, the director, his name is uh, John Favreau, okay? And he, you may recognize him from Marvel films, um, Happy, he played that character in some of these Iron Man and stuff. Um, but he was the director of this film, and if you can see in the background, uh, he was actually also the creator of The Mandalorian, if anybody's into that right now, our family's really into that. Uh, he was, he's a creator, one of the executive producers, director, uh, directors of The Mandalorian series. Um, but in this movie, he directs Elf. Okay, Elf and The Mandalorian. I mean, he's pretty talented, right? So he directed it. He also plays the doctor. If you remember this, this scene in the movie, he's the doctor. And he also has a secondary part in this movie. He is the voice of Mr. Narwhal. <laughs> I was so blown away. Okay, nobody else is entertained by that. I thought it was pretty cool, all right? Um, okay, moving on. Let me, do, let me do a second piece of trivia. Um, number two, there's a, an actor in this film called Peter Billingsley, and uh, he played a part in this movie. Um, he played Ming Ming, the elf, okay? So if you remember the scene, Buddy's like trying to put together the toys, and Ming Ming comes along, and is like, how many have you made? And he's like, 87 or something. He's like, oh, you're only 915 off pace. So Ming Ming the Elf, Peter Billingsley plays Ming Ming. Okay, so this film, Elf, came out in 2003. 20 years prior, in 1983, Peter Billingsley played another part in a Christmas film. He played Ralphie in the movie A Christmas Story that we're going to talk about next week. So you see how this all comes together. It's so... I thought this was amazing. I was like, wow, mind blown. There's Ralphie. He's also Ming Ming. <laughs> what a world we live in. Okay, so let's transition to Jesus. <laughs> All right. So the truth, like how in the world does this relate to, to us today? And maybe you're already connecting some dots as you're, as you're hearing the theme of this. I want us to go to a passage in Galatians 4, 4 to 7. And I want to spend just a few minutes here because this is really in a nutshell the Christmas story right here. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7. Beginning in verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so I want to take just a couple minutes to go through verses four and five. And really, these are verses that you, you, should, you should know and, and think about because this is the Christmas story. All This is what we celebrate this month. And so let me work through a couple phrases here. But when the fullness of time came, verse number four, this speaks to his plan. This speaks to God's plan. In other words, in God's timetable across the ages, all the, all the conditions in the world, all the religious and political and, and cultural conditions of the time all culminated in this moment at this time and at this precise moment in human history Jesus came. Jesus came. This, this was the time appointed by God. Don't, don't miss this, that this was part of God's plan all along. But when the fullness of time came, 
God sent forth his son, born of woman. This phrase speaks to Jesus, his, his divinity and his humanity. One of the, the key doctrines or teachings of the scriptures is that God is three in one. He is what we call Trinity or Godhead. He is three persons and yet he is one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what we see in, in, this, in this phrase, God sent forth his son, born of woman, we see both the divinity that, that Jesus is God, but we also see his humanity, that he was a human, he was God in the flesh. And so it says born of woman. Now, when you talk about how someone was born, of course, born of woman sounds like, well, of course, everyone's born of woman, right? That's the only way that we're born is born of a woman. So it speaks to his humanity that he was, he was a man. And yet, because he was sent into the world by God, God sent forth his son. What we see here is that, that, that Jesus is the God-man, that he came from heaven, that he is eternal, that he eternally existed with God, that he is Jesus, the son of God. He was 100% human, 100% man, 100% divine. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. And so what this, this phrase speaks to is, is humility, his humility, because what you see is back in the beginning that God instituted law for his people to follow. And, and, and if you think about this, Jesus, who was God, he was actually the one who gave the law. He was the law giver. And this law giver now submits himself to becoming a man and putting himself under that law that he gave. This points to his humility. And, and what you see in the life of Jesus is that he came, he was born under the law, and then he lived perfectly obedient to that law that he put himself under. He, he lived a life, all 33 years, he lived perfectly obedient to his father, completely righteous in all that he did. Not once, in one small or big way, did he ever transgress the law of God. He was perfect and sinless. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Why? It says to redeem those who were under the law. And so this speaks of his sacrificial death. He, he came to redeem those who were under the law. And so when, when Jesus was, was born, he was born an Israelite. He was a Jew. And so like every other man, woman, uh, any other individual, he was born under the law. He was required to, uh, he was obligated to obey the law. But if you look at the scriptures, we're, we're actually going to back up for a second. Galatians chapter 3, the very preceding chapter, what you see in Galatians 3, it says that not only are we all under the law, but we're all under the curse of the law. In other words, Galatians 3.10 says this. And this is quoting back to the law in Deuteronomy. It says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. In other words, what it says is that we all are under the law, but if we don't obey perfectly in every single piece of the law, it says that we're under the curse of the law. 
And the reality is that none of us, no human being could ever perfectly obey the law. And so we're all under the curse of the law and under the judgment of the law. And it says that Jesus came to redeem those who were under the law. That's, that's all of us. That word redeem, it means to buy or to buy back or to purchase a slave or a debtor's freedom. And so what this tells us is that Christ came literally to, to purchase us, to buy us back from our slavery to sin. He came to pay our sin debt. He came to redeem us, those of us who were cursed. And he did it by becoming a curse for us. Again, Galatians 3, it says this in Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And so Christ came and by his death on the cross, he purchased us. He redeemed us from the curse of sin. If we would put our faith in Christ, man, we could receive forgiveness and freedom. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That is all of us by becoming a curse for us. Last phrase, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The reason he did what he did, the reason he came, the reason that he, he put himself under the law, the reason that he lived perfectly according to that law, the reason he became a curse for us, he took our sin upon himself and became a curse for us and died in our place. The reason he did all of that, the reason Jesus came 2,000 plus years ago was so that we could be adopted into the family of God so that we can become sons and daughters of God. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, y'all. This is what we celebrate, that he died for us. He came, he lived a perfect life, he died for us so that the son came so that we could all be sons and daughters of the perfect heavenly father. This speaks to his perfect fatherly love that he created us for. And so how does this apply to us? How do we connect Buddy the Elf and, and all of this with Jesus coming? Well, like we talked about earlier, we all have a longing for the perfect to come. And like Buddy, we all long for a real dad. We all long for a perfect father. Now, I'm not going to open Pandora's box this morning because when we talk about fathers, uh, man, earthly dads can be great. Earthly dads can be awful and, and everywhere in between. But every earthly dad is imperfect. Every earthly dad is sinful. But every earthly dad is meant to be a pointer or a signpost to point us to the real heavenly father. And so the reason that probably every single one of us have in, to some degree or another father wounds or dad issues, um, even if we had a great dad, like here's, here's the reality. Even if you had a, a great earthly father or a great earthly stepfather or a great earthly ad adoptive father, 
Listen, even if you had the perfect earthly dad, if there could be such a thing, even if you did, it could not replace or could never be enough. It could never be enough. It could never be enough. An earthly father can never fulfill the role that a perfect heavenly father has been meant to fulfill in our life. And so the big idea this morning is this. Our longing for the perfect father can only be fulfilled by Jesus. He is the way to the father. He is the way to be adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. This is like one of the most used Christmas card verses that you'll ever find. Isaiah 9, 6, talking about the coming of this child, the birth of this Messiah. It says, for us, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Read this next phrase with me. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Son who came also is the way to the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus, when he was on earth, he made this monumental statement. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I'm the way to get to God. I'm a way, I'm the way into the family of God. Nothing you do, you can't do good enough. You can't attend church enough, give enough to get into God's family, but I did everything for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 John 3, 1. I love this verse. It says, see what kind of love or what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And y'all, as we celebrate this, this Christmas season, don't miss this truth that God wants to be our perfect heavenly Father. And it's why Jesus came. It's why Jesus came to fill this longing in our hearts, to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God the Father. And so you know what, this morning, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you, know, you would say, I know Jesus. I have a relationship with God because I put my faith in Christ. I've confessed my sin. I've confessed that, that I could never do enough to remove my sin, but he is Lord, and I put my faith fully in him. Maybe you've done that before. You are a son or a daughter of God. And I want to remind you this morning, if you've put your faith in Christ, that God is your perfect, heavenly Father. And Jesus coming made that possible. But maybe the truth is this morning that you don't have a relationship with God. You are outside of that relationship. You've never confessed Jesus as Lord. You've never surrendered your heart and your life over to the one who loves you. And I just want to tell you this morning that the heart of God for you is, is a fatherly heart. Regardless of the human experience you've had with an earthly father, there is a perfect heavenly father who loves you and wants to pull you into his family. That is the beauty of Christmas, y'all. That God loves us and he's made it everything possible. He's made the way for us to come to him through Jesus. And maybe you've never confessed faith in Jesus 
All you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he came as a baby, that he lived a perfect life, that he is God and yet he is man. He died for our sins and he rose again to forgive us and free us of our sin. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the scripture says in Romans 10, 13, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the Lord could be a son or a daughter of God. Because we have a heavenly father who loves us, amen. And so would you pray with me today? Father, thank you that you are a good God. Jesus, thank you for coming for us 2,000 plus years ago. That in the fullness of time, according to your Father's perfect plan, you came and you were born of a woman and you were born under the law, the very law that you gave, you submitted to put yourself under and you live perfectly according to that law. And you came to redeem us from that law, that law that, that pointed out to us our sinfulness. It, it pointed out to us our inability to be perfect and holy and righteous and good. And it pointed us to you. And you came to redeem us, to buy us back from the slavery that we were into our own sin. God, you sent forth your son to pay our sin debt that we could never, ever, ever pay on our own. And you did it all so that we could become sons and daughters. The longing that we have in our hearts could be fulfilled because of your goodness and grace. So Father, thank you that you love us as a perfect heavenly Father. Lord, for those of us that know you, we've put our faith in you. Thank you, remind us this season, please remind us of how good it is to be your son or daughter. And Lord, for those who may be here today or maybe watching or listening or maybe even friends of ours, God, I pray that you would draw people to yourself, that they would sense your perfect fatherly love and they would give themselves over to it. And so, Lord, this morning we worship you. Thank you that you are the one that satisfies every longing of our hearts, every desire that we have, you fulfill. even in the season as we recognize the fact that nothing else meets our deepest longing and desires, God, remind us again or reveal to us for the very first time that you are the one who satisfies the longings of our heart. We pray in Jesus' name.